I grew up here in Patterson, New Jersey, or Jersey City, or Newark. You know, a lot of fights started out with two people squaring off and fighting. That's, you know, pretty much evolution of fighting. It's, it's always happened that way. They were bare knuckle. These guys would straight up square up and they would put in, you know, a couple thousand dollars and, you know, whoever would take the money away was the winner. When Feldman told me about it, I didn't think anything of it. And then when I came to all the press conference and everything else, I was like, oh my God, this is a big deal. We're going to be on paper. This is no joke. <laughs> I fought over 81 professional fights and they're totally different. They're nothing the same. So this is like a whole other speed, a whole other tempo and a whole other type of velocity of entertainment. Bare knuckle boxing isn't a street fight. It's one of the oldest organized sports around. It's strategic, it's fast paced, it's skillful, and it's making a comeback. On June 2nd, 2018, the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship will hold what they're billing as the first legal, sanctioned, and regulated fight since 1889. To once again scrap its way to the top of combat sports in America, bare knuckle boxing will have to overcome a stigma of brutality and years of being forced underground. This is The Narrative. I'm Harry Swartout. If you and your friend have too much to drink, get into an argument, and go outside to punch it out, that's not bare knuckle boxing. Bare knuckle boxing has rules. Punches are the only arsenal the only weapon that's allowed. That's David Feldman, the founder and CEO of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, or BKFC. We do allow you to clinch while you're in close. So like my left arm can be clinched with your right arm and my right arm will be open and we can punch our way out of that. We also can allow like it's called like a Muay Thai clinch where you can grab the back of the neck and you can punch up, punch straight forward or anything like that. But Bare Knuckle Fighting, I mean, the name kind of speaks for itself. Towing a line three feet apart from their opponent, the fighters begin in the center of a ring. And not a boxing ring, which is actually a square, but an actual ring. They call the boxing ring the squared circle, but this is actually the squared circle. It's a square, 26-foot square platform encased with a 22-foot circle ring. We picked that particular style of ring because we had to set ourselves apart. So we didn't want anybody confusing when they first glanced at this and didn't really dive into it. Is this boxing? Is this MMA? No, it's not. It's something completely different. It's bare-knuckle fighting. And yes, it has way less obstructions than any other ring because it's completely circled. There's no corners. You get great viewing from anywhere in, anywhere in the house, in any house that you're in. The ring is set up for fans to see the action because BKFC expects there to be action from the moment the match starts. I mean, just listen to their promo guy. In the center of the ring, there are two lines. These lines are where the fight begins with both fighters just three feet apart. Factor in the small fighting area and you have set the environment for non-stop heart-pounding action. Three feet apart is punching distance, but don't expect fighters to start off with a tired jab. Everything about a bare-knuckle fighter is an art. Like for me, the left hand is, is a tool for a 25 punches. That's Bobby Gunn, former WBC boxing champ and bare-knuckle boxer. It ain't just a straight jab. Bare knuckle boxing. I might only I might only hit uh, hit a shot with my last two knuckles. Just will just touch you, little cut, and then try to connect right in the nose. This is like a corkscrew. Bing, 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 hopping sideways. It's a whole different thing when you have the glove on. Artistry like Bobby's takes practice, but bare knuckle boxing in America wasn't, well, legal. 
Underground bouts were where fistfighters cut their teeth, and the sport stayed alive. Whether it's underground or above ground, you have to do it or people aren't going to talk about it. So we took our chances and we did what we had to do to get people to talk about it, and now we're here. You know, if we didn't do the underground fights, nobody would have practiced their crafts as Bobby did. We wouldn't be doing legal sanctioned regulated fights right now. The sport of bare knuckle boxing was here before I was born. It'll be here when I'm dead and gone. The underground circuit has been here for hundreds of years, since John O'Sullivan times. It's always been here. We'll get to John L. Sullivan's famous 1889 fight. But before we do that, we have to go back even further to the start of bare-knuckle boxing, across the sea and 300 years back. If you picture old-school bare-knuckle boxing, you're probably imagining something like the scene from the 2009 Guy Ritchie film, Sherlock Holmes. A seedy dockyard, a crowd of rowdy dock workers frantically betting and screaming, two men fighting, beating each other senseless. Yes, that definitely happened. But bare-knuckle boxing as an organized sport didn't start with the rowdies on the streets. It started with English gentlemen. Bare-knuckle boxing that we're talking about today started in James Figg's era. That's Scott Burt, president of the Bare-knuckle Boxing Hall of Fame in Belfast, New York. James Figg fought in the early 1700s and actually was the first champion in 1719. To be clear, squaring up and punching it out had existed before Fig, But he was the first to codify the rules and sell it as a product. Fig used his fighting fame to open up a school of fisticuffs, where he taught the upper class the noble art of pugilism as self-defense against highwaymen and ruffians. Gentlemen and ladies flocked. Women fought. Uh, the very first one was Elizabeth uh, Wilkinson Stokes. In the 1720s, she, was the, she won the first ever recorded bare-knuckle bout. What they did, which was quite interesting, is that they invented the half-crown rule. And uh, the half-crown rule was that each woman in each hand had to hold a half a crown. And the fight went until one of the coins dropped. The person who didn't drop it won and won all of the money. Many of the women back then fought bare-chested. So people thought, well, are they coming to watch because the, pe the women are bare-chested, or are they coming to watch because they're seeing good fights, or why are they bare-chested? Well, the reason was, is back in the 1700s, there was no antibiotics. So if the women wore the corsets with the wire in them and got hit, and the wire jabbed into them, they would have no antibiotics and would die from infection. Clearly, being an upper-class sport didn't curb the violence. Being pierced by a corset wire was only one type of horror story papers reported from the aftermath of particularly brutal bare-knuckle matches. But the journals of the time weren't necessarily objective. A lot of the newspapers would show drawings of various bare-knucklers, and their eyes would be hanging out, and there'd be cut faces, disfigured. An illustration from an 1860 championship fight between John C. Heenan and Tom Sayer shows the post-fight contestants looking pretty gnarly. Each fighter's eyes have become swollen bulbs, and their faces are covered in cuts, making them look like some sort of bloodied chameleon. Another illustration of a lumpy, battered Heenan says that it was drawn from a photo taken the day after the match. But between film and woodcut print, there may have been some exaggeration. And 
Actually, the reporters of the time did that just to sell papers. Bare knuckle boxing was not that gruesome. The paper's lurid accounts and illustrations gave bare knuckle boxing a reputation as an unsavory and vicious sport. But people still flocked to watch. There was never a more excited and rabid crowd than for the biggest fight of all time. John L. Sullivan vs. Jake Kilrain in 1889. The press hounded Sullivan so doggedly, he had to escape New York City to train in a barn in Belfast, New York. Until the reporters found him there, too. Every spare room in Belfast, and even some of the porches, were rented out to newspaper people from around the world. All this publicity only complicated the fact that, despite its popularity, bare-knuckle boxing was illegal in America. But when has the law ever kept Americans from having a good time? Back then, it was well known that it was illegal. People paid $15 a ticket in 1889 money to get on a train and uh, not know where they're going. They said goodbye to their families, and I don't know when I'll be back. And they ended up down in Richburg, Mississippi. Every governor along the way put up a militia along the border lines to try to stop the trains from continuing on. They couldn't do that. They ended up at Colonel Rich's farm in Richburg, Mississippi, a 30,000 acres uh, wooded lot. The night before they had made the uh, bleachers, they didn't want to make them ahead of time so as not to key people as to what was going on. A local constable stood up, walked out into the middle of the ring and said, this is an illegal fight and anybody who witnesses it and partakes in it will be arrested. And then he sat down and watched it. After the fact, uh, both Sullivan and Kilrain were indeed arrested. Uh, Sullivan won $20,000 then in the, the Police Gazette belt. John L. Sullivan defeated Jake Kilrain and won the Police Gazette belt in a 75-round epic that included Kilrain being badly sunburned, Sullivan puking in the 44th round, and patrons standing because the freshly cut timber of the bleachers oozed pine tar in the 104-degree sun. Newspapers across the country carried the story and Sullivan earned more than $20,000 for his victory. It was a roaring success, but at the same time, a death knell for bare-knuckle boxing. Sullivan defended his title four years later, but in a gloved fight with gentleman Jim Corbett. He'd lose, and no champion would fight bare-knuckle for the next 130 years. Despite being a legendary bare-knuckle fighter, John L. Sullivan only fought three matches without gloves. That's still three more than most people on the BKFC June 2nd card. The lineup is a cast of characters from other combat sports ready to reawaken the old competition. Here's David Feldman again. We have eight of the baddest heavyweights in the world. Former UFC heavyweight champion, former K1 heavyweight champion, guys that were world rated. So we have some of the best fighters in the world. and. Um, the personalities are really second to none. Wyoming is the first state in the country to allow women the right to vote. So because of that, it's the first legal sanction regulated bare knuckle fight. We had to throw a woman's fight on there. So we have former UFC fighter Beck Rawlings will be fighting Denver police officer and professional boxer Alma Garcia. It's going to be an unbelievable fight. And these, these women, I... Sorry, Bob, but I think they're going to steal the show. One of the personalities battling the women for the attention of the crowd is former UFC heavyweight champ Rico Rodriguez. Rico has wrestled, boxed, and done MMA professionally, but he hasn't actually bare-knuckle boxed before. I mean, we're kind of all going along with the program as we figure it out, but the truth is, 
you have to actually speak to people that have actually done it. Like actually when we did the interview with the press conference with Bobby, just listening to him talk about things, how he trained his hands and how he's just not really using his body to compete every day. Like a boxer or an MMA guy, you would spar two, three times a week. In reality, you have to save your body for the day of the battle. Bobby is the lineal bare knuckle champion, which basically means in lieu of having an organized league, He's the guy people agree is the best in the underground circuit. As green as Rico and the rest of the competitors are, Bobby is a prototypical example of a traditional bare-knuckle boxer. Since a baby, I've been boxing. I had my first amateur fight six, seven years old. Turned pro at 16 years old, come from Canada. My people, I'm a traveler, which is known as gypsies, like Tyson Fury, were in our heritage of people were born and bred to fight. There's many uh, do different dogs. I say this a lot of times. There's, there's different breeds of dogs, right? But they all have the same DNA. They're a dog. But they're, my people, the gypsy travelers, we're like pit bulls. Bred, little kids coming up fighting. It's, our, it's like our religion to us. And all my heritage, we all done bare knuckle boxing. So Bobby may have experience on his competitors, but that doesn't mean the other fighters won't have advantages of their own. That's one of the things I love about fighting. Fighting is like problem solving. It's it's you don't know what's going to happen. You have to be in the game to understand it. And then you're playing chess. And then from there, you're using your pieces. Whoever I go against, I'm going to have the superior grappling. You know, maybe it's not going to last long because the referee's going to stop. You know, break us up. He's only giving us like three seconds. But you know, I'm going to use those three seconds to punch to the body, punch to the head. When you're doing conditioning or cardio, three seconds is like forever. So you never know what can really happen in that exchange. Three seconds is more time than you think. Here's three seconds of silence. Here's how many times you could be hit in three seconds. When he's throwing those punches, even if he's got his opponent locked up, Rico and his fellow fighters have to be careful. Contrary to popular belief, gloves in boxing and MMA aren't for the protection of the guy being hit. They're for the protection of the hand of the guy throwing the punch. Punches to the jaw or the forehead that gloved boxers would throw without care can backfire spectacularly for a bare-knuckle boxer. See, you have a three-inch gap in bare-knuckle boxing from your eyebrow right down to the bottom of your nose. You don't want to go any lower because you maybe cut your, your hand in their teeth, you understand? You don't want to go above the forehead because you could shatter your hand in the forehead. So watch the old fighters. The reason why they fought like that guard, they were picking their shots more, sizing their opponents up, banging. It was more of a technical sport. Bare knuckle boxers need to keep their tools sharp, so to speak. To make sure their hands can take the abuse in the ring, fighters train their hands outside of it. It's not exactly Moises Alou peeing on his hands to toughen them up, but the exercises still seem unpleasant. The most thing that for me is is probably using the Wing Chun dummy. It's a wooden dummy of a, of a person with hands and feet. And what happens is you're conditioning your hands by punching a wooden dummy, which is very tough because you're bare knuckle and you're constantly hitting this wood. I've, I've used those sandbags and stuff like that, doing push-ups on your knuckles. You know, some guys used to, in Poland and Russia, would do push-ups on ice. I don't have that right now, but you know, I guess I would use something like that. But just really trying to preserve my hands from that getting injured or dealing with an injury and then have to fight with an injury. The training, the strategy, the technique, it's all brand new for Rico. But also, 
a little bit of deja vu. Rico started in MMA just as it was getting off the ground, and he sees some similarities between a fledgling UFC and the energy currently around BKFC. Mixed martial arts, you know, when it first came out, you know, we fought, I fought in the, right after 2001 when the World Trade Center went down, and we fought on this, you know, card that was huge, and I fought Olaski on there, Tito Ortiz fought on there, and we were basically doing the same thing. We actually would go to Pensacola, and Dana White would fly me out there to talk to everybody who was selling the pay-per-view uh, program to people that would call in and say, what is this, you know, ultimate fighting championships? And we would have to teach them what it was. It was right in jujitsu. There were rules. It wasn't just two human cockfighting. There was no eye gouging, no biting, no stuff like that. So we had to explain to them all of the different styles of martial arts and basically just show these people, you know, it's a sport and it's going to be something big. This is the same exact thing that we're doing, you know, 20 years later, we're pushing bare knuckle fighting. So yeah, it, it is the same thing. Bare-knuckle boxing isn't exactly the same thing. It's hard to get UFC 1 off the ground for sure, but BKFC has been trying desperately to set up their June 2nd fight since 2011. We did our first event um, August 5th, 2011, Fort McDowell Casino in Arizona. The reason why we're here today is because we did over 5,000 people in attendance, but the unique thing is we had 1.2 million people logged in to purchase it on the internet and the paywall crash. So we didn't get paid, but we know the potential of where this thing can really go. That was our first event, hit and miss for a couple years going along the way. We kept trying, kept trying, and kept trying. This is the 29th state that we've pitched on bare knuckle fighting, and it's the one that accepted us. So we got turned down 28 times, and I don't think there's many promoters or many people in the world that can get turned down 28 times. Like, imagine asking a girl out 28 times, and she says no to you, you're not gonna keep asking her. But we kept pushing, and the state of Wyoming and Brian Pedersen, the chairman of the Mixed Martial Arts Board out there, saw what we were trying to do here and, and knew it was safer. And they were doing legal fights in Wyoming, but this is the first regulated and sanctioned. So that means it's the first government-regulated, so the government's actually stepping in, regulating this and making sure it's safe for everybody. Wyoming Cheyenne Ice and Event Center will host BKFC's first big match because... 28 other states wouldn't. More than half of America doesn't turn down the potential money that a large sporting event brings for no reason. Thanks to yellow journalism at the turn of the century, bare-knuckle boxing is still seen as dangerous. In an age of concussions and CTE, convincing a state to let grown men punch it out on their land is a tough sell. But as everyone I interviewed told me, there's reason to believe that bare-knuckle boxing may be safer than glove boxing or MMA. When gloves were actually introduced, it was not to protect the head of the receiver. It was to protect the hands of the thrower. The problem was back in the uh, late 1800s is that although there were a lot of bare knuckle fights, um, people wanted to see a lot more knockouts. So the promoters of the time tried to figure out how do we do this? Because if they want to see more knockouts, that means that they're gonna, more people are going to come and they're going to pay more money. And they invented the glove. Now they can whale and whale and whale and whale and not hurt their hand. And uh, the person on the receiving end of that uh, absorbs all the abuse. I explain it in layman's terms. So I say it like this, and it's a little extreme, but I say you take a brick. I take a brick and I hit you in the head. I'm going to knock you out. One shot, you're out. I'm going to wrap that brick with padding. I'm going to hit you five, six, seven times before I knock you out. So I ask what's better for the head. One concussive shot or five, six, seven. It's simple math. As far as science goes, there are studies that say bare-knuckle boxing is safer, 
and ones that say it's more dangerous. National Geographic's television show Fight Science had UFC fighter Baz Rutten hit a punching bag with boxing gloves, MMA gloves, and bare knuckles. His bare-fisted attempt imparted the most force. But in a study done by Washington State University, they found the exact opposite. There are arguments to be made that bare-knuckle boxers will self-protect, punching less hard and in less dangerous places like the head and jaw in order to protect their fists. Ultimately, there just isn't enough data on bare-knuckle boxing because it's been underground for over a century. Rico Rodriguez knows that as a fighter, he could get hurt, but he's stepping in the ring anyway. The truth is, if you're a fighter, you understand that there's many different obstacles you'll come across. You could always get hurt. With a commission there in a corner man there, they have the best cut guys, they have the best, you know, tape guys. The reality is the number one problem we're dealing with is concussions. You look at all the football players that are taking these hits, you look at all the boxers that are having issues later on, it's the more shots you take because of the padding or because of the hands being covered up, these are causing major issues. Where when you're using bare knuckle, you get hit, you get rocked, you're done, it's quick. Bare-knuckle practitioners like Bobby Gunn and Rico Rodriguez and proponents like David Feldman are hoping that they'll get the opportunity to have enough fights to prove the sport's safety. Actually, they're setting their sights a bit higher. They're hoping to succeed in bringing bare-knuckle boxing all the way back. Ultimately, success for us looks like making money. We have to make a lot of money. That's success. That's success in any business. But the immediate future is just gaining the interest, gaining the public interest. We have a rollout plan for this, and we're not one show and we're done. We have a, we have a three-year rollout plan for this and we anticipate being on network television. Um, we have a really good marketing plan of all our merchandising and everything that we're doing also as well rolling this out. So I think that in the next year our real plan is just to get public interest in this, just to get people really talking about it. As they're already talking about it, but now once they see it once, they're going to be like, holy crap, what did I miss? I got to see the next one. I got to see the next one, and I think just out of curiosity, on this first event, we're probably going to get 50% of reviewers just being like, man, what the hell is that? Well, it's, it's bare-knuckle fighting. It's the purest, safest form of hand-to-hand -hand combat, and, you know, we think we're here to stay. On June 2nd, bare-knuckle boxing will immediately reach more people than it has since 1889. In a time where both the enthusiasm for combat sports and awareness of the dangers of repeated head trauma are at their highest, can bare-knuckle boxing reclaim its piece of the sporting world? It's got a puncher's chance. I promise you, this sport here will be right next to UFC. It's going to blow the world up. Special thanks for this episode goes out to David Feldman, bare-knuckle fighting championship, Bobby Gunn, Scott Burt, Rico Rodriguez, Andrew Roberts, and Tony and Hazel G. If you like the show, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It helps put the narrative in front of more people. Or you could just tell a friend. You can tweet about the show using the hashtag SINarrative. I'm at Harry Swartout on Twitter. And as always, for more narratives moving the world of sport, log on to SI.com. SI.com